Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. everyone. Welcome back to another week of Fruit Snacks. This week, we're going to continue our discussion of the Gospels, the manuscripts of the Bible, and even the canon. But this time, we're going to focus on the so-called lost Gospels or banned books that didn't make it into the New Testament. We're going to talk about what they are and why they weren't included. Now, you can read most, if not all, of these so-called lost gospels online. They're public domain, and if you want to look them up, you can find several sources where you can read English translations of them. I'm going to give you a brief overview of each one, and we're going to even read excerpts from them. And I want to do that so that you can understand that as Christians, we have absolutely nothing to worry about when it comes to these lost gospels or banned books. So what are they? Well, as a group, there are a few characteristics about all of them that we can say to sort of summarize them. Every one of these is pseudepigraphal in nature, which is a big, long Greek word that basically means they are falsely written. Every one of these claims to be written by someone that we know historically it was not written by. For instance, the Gospel of Peter, or Judas, or Thomas, or Mary, couldn't have been written by these people because, and this gets into our next point about all these Gospels, every one of them is very late in history compared to the New Testament Gospels that we have in the Bible. The Gospel of Peter, Thomas, Mary, Judas, so on and so forth, they are dated to, at the earliest, the early 2nd century, but some of them we have manuscripts that go into the 3rd or even 4th centuries. Now, it would be quite a feat for some of Jesus' apostles to have survived the 200 or so years necessary to write these Gospels. And so, there, no one seriously thinks that these were actually written by the people who are named in the titles. Another key distinguishing factor for all of them is that they are very Gnostic in the flavor of their teaching. If you don't know what Gnosticism is, it was basically a cult that was very loosely based on Christianity. It borrowed a lot of Christian terms, but it taught theology that was wholly different from Orthodox Christian teaching. And we're going to see some of what that is as we examine these Gnostic Gospels together. So let's go ahead and get started. We're going to look first at the Gospel of Thomas, which is one of the more well-known ones. Now, the Gospel of Thomas is essentially just a collection of disjointed sayings which are attributed to Jesus. They don't have any context, and they just sort of randomly pop up, almost like a very disorganized book of Proverbs. But I'm going to read you several of these so you can get an idea of just the flavor of the Gospel of Thomas. Saying one, and he said, meaning Jesus, whoever discovers the meaning of these sayings won't taste death. And this goes to a key Gnostic teaching, which we're going to see again as a theme, which is this idea of secret or hidden knowledge. And it is on the basis of 
understanding or discovering this secret hidden knowledge that you will attain salvation has nothing to do with redemption of sin, but everything to do with attaining enlightenment, spiritual enlightenment, and sort of ascending out of this earthly mortal plane into a spiritual realm where you will have salvation. Let me read you another one. Saying seven, Jesus said, blessed is the lion that's eaten by a human and then becomes human. But how awful for the human who's eaten by a lion and the lion becomes human. I have no idea what Jesus supposedly just said there. (laughs) Let's look at another one. Saying 37, his disciples said, when will you appear to us? When will we see you? Jesus said, When you strip naked without being ashamed and throw your clothes on the ground and stomp on them as little children would, then you'll see the son of the living one and won't be afraid. Saying 60, They saw a Samaritan carrying a lamb to Judea. He said to his disciples, What do you think he's going to do with that lamb? They said to him, He's going to kill it and eat it. Jesus said to them, While it's living, he won't eat it, but only after he kills it and it becomes a corpse. And they said, He can't do it any other way. And Jesus said to them, You too look for a resting place so that you won't become a corpse and be eaten. So we get a little zombie action going on here in the Gospel of Thomas. Two more for you. Saying 71, Jesus said, I'll destroy this house and no one will be able to build it. Now that starts off similarly to what we know from the Gospels, except it doesn't end at all like what Jesus says in the Gospels. He says, and I'll rebuild it again in three days, speaking of his resurrection. Resurrection is problematic for Gnostics, and bodily resurrection, that is, and we'll see more of that in the days to come. Last saying from Gospel of Thomas, this one's a doozy, and it's the very last verse to end up in this book. Saying 114, Simon Peter said to them, Mary should leave us because women aren't worthy of life. Ouch. Jesus said, instead of rebuking Peter, what does he say? He says, look, am I to make her a man so that she may become a living spirit too? She's equal to you men because every woman who makes herself a man will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's all there is to it, ladies. So I guess we get a little bit of... uh, divine gender reassignment surgery going on here right in the gospel of thomas as you can see this is just a hot mess of sayings that sound nothing like jesus nor do they sound like anything that you read in the new testament i'm going to look at one more of these today and this is the gospel of mary since we were just talking about mary let's look at that one and i want to read you a couple excerpts from this gospel as well Page seven, because we don't have the first six pages, says, Then will matter be destroyed or not? The Savior said, Every nature, every form, every creature exists in and with each other, but they'll dissolve again into their own roots, because the nature of matter dissolves into its nature alone. Anyone who has ears to hear should hear. Peter said to him, Since you've explained everything to us, tell us one more thing. What's the sin of the world? And the Savior said, Sin doesn't exist, but you're the ones who make sin when you act in accordance with the nature of adultery, which is called sin. So sin doesn't exist, according to Jesus, in this passage, and therefore there's really no need for him to redeem from sin because sin isn't a thing. Instead, the Gospel of Mary is focused on the disciples overcoming so-called powers 
which take different forms. I heard someone describe this as like a video game where you have uh, boss monsters and things like that. And when you defeat all the powers in their different forms, then you can clothe yourself with, and I quote, perfect humanity, whatever that means. So these are two, the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Mary. We're going to cover many more. We have, I think, six more to cover this week. And by the time we're all done, I hope that you're going to see that no one, no, no Christian should be concerned about the content of these or whether or not somehow these belong in the Bible or have bombshell theology that we really need to be paying attention to as Christians today. 